1: Now, prior to last Christmas, there were a few voices noting that we could expect a lot of closures in the hospitality sector once the holiday season was out of the way. And so it's come to pass. Last week, I think it's fair to say there was a certain sense of shock in Cork when it was announced that the city centre Nash 19 restaurant was to close. This was the most high profile, but just one of, I think it's about four cafes and restaurants in the city that have closed in recent weeks. Just down the road in Killarney, since Christmas there's been a similar rate of attrition. And the song unfortunately remains the same throughout the country from Dublin right down through urban Ireland and beyond. We're living in a country that's got used to a lifestyle of eating out and indeed buying takeouts, yet it would seem that something in the cost structure of the food business is very wrong. So what is it and what can be done? Joining me today is restauranter Ross Lewis, who established Chapter One Restaurant, one of Dublin's best known eateries, and currently also runs Lucio's. Ross, you're very welcome. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Ross, I suppose first, were you surprised uh, about Nash 19's closure? I'm sure you were familiar with the restaurant.
0: Yeah, I am actually, and I know Claire Nash. And um, the one thing that always struck me about Claire is that she was an individual. Who, uh, went to every ends to mind her business. Uh, she always put her business first. She was very business like. And, um, yeah, I was very surprised to hear of that closure. As you probably know, she's a, a long standing member of the restaurant community there. I've certainly been there, uh, on the occasion that I do visit Cork and, and uh, yeah, it's uh, very sorry. I'm very sorry to see uh, such a, a, an institution. I suppose it would be in Cork uh, to go because uh, it's one thing when somebody doesn't mind their business, but I always felt that uh, Claire was somebody who absolutely did. So that that's shocking enough. Yeah.
1: And tell me, Ross, I, I mentioned there in the intro that uh, before Christmas, you know, I, I I saw mention of it here or there. People should watch out, and I suppose like a lot of people, I didn't. Pay much attention to it not being in the business but did you have a sense even sort of late last year that people in the community in the restaurant community there's a lot of them are facing into uh, problems they mightn't be able to get past
0: Yeah well look as you know first of all Covid came along and um, you know it hit the restaurant industry hard I think uh, I think we are closed almost in total for a year and a half and in fairness to the government at the time they did throw a lifeline into the restaurant industry and most people were kind of able to get by. But I think, uh, you know, some would have been knocked so hard that they wobbled. And um, the one thing that did save a lot of operators uh, from from such a desperately hard time was the fact that um, people seemed to be very happy to spend again once COVID ended. And there was a bit of a COVID bubble and there was no doubt about it that spending was high. People were spending, you know, unusually high amounts of money. They were trading up on the wine list and they were having the most expensive dishes. And I think for a kind of a, I suppose it's a bit of a pendulum swing, I suppose for every uh, action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And, you know, I thought things would tighten up this year gone by uh, 2023, but it seemed to me that the COVID spending kept going, uh, like last January, February was a very strong start to the year. and Most people were quite surprised. Um, however, coming into the end of this year, you know, there's a lot of talk in the industry uh, that people were very stretched. And of course, like every business, we take in a lot of, we buy goods, we, we buy food, we buy wine, uh, we purchase a lot of labour. So the most expensive thing in the checkbook is labour. And can run up to forty percent of turnover, and then there's all the other services. There's the energy, and when somebody comes to fix anything, everything seems to be uh, a victim of inflation, and and some of it, in my opinion, a bit of greedflation. So yeah, so you know the the industry has there there have been um, you know there there have been uh, there's been a lot of kind of talk of people under pressure and. Um, yeah, I think, you know, on top of that, where you have a, a, an overriding pressure is that it seems to me that all legislation is really made to favour businesses the scale. And uh, unfortunately, the small business operator has been forgotten about. And uh, that, that's a big that's a that's as big a problem.
1: Well, can I ask you this, so in this context, in terms of footfall, in, in terms of of literally filling tables and that, that of itself, if I'm picking you up correctly, the general impression, is not so bad that where the cost structure some way manageable, the actual level of business that can be done, um, you know, could facilitate... Most businesses to continue. Would that be correct, or has there been a fall off in actually people coming through the door? So, yeah, you're quite correct. Actually, you know the the level of
0: business, the business out there, is reasonably good. Uh, I think towards the end of last year, you did see people starting to spend less, and you know the the problem is that even though people are coming through the door. The, the backdrop, the inflationary backdrop of costs is so high that the margins have been eroded down to almost nothing. And even though there are people coming through the door, uh, most operators are faced with uh, the situation that if they, sh- you know, they need to make a profit to survive, um, can they put up their prices? And that is a problem for some people because they're pegged into a certain price structure and putting their price of their food up by 15, 20 or 30 percent is just not going to wash with the consumer. So what what is happening is you have this, this perfect storm, really. Uh, the backdrop of costs are just in my 30 years as an operator, I've never seen anything like it. And. It, when consumer spending starts to tighten, um, the effect on the industry will be directly proportional to that. So, if consumer spending tightens meaningfully, I think there will be a lot of attrition. Uh, if it tightens somewhat, I think uh, some operators won't survive. But the good ones, or people with cash flow, or people without borrowings w- will probably make it through. I think it'll be short and sharp, but uh, I think there's going to be a correction or that's what it seems like to me.
1: And you mentioned, Rask, like you've been in business, I think about 30 years, yeah. anywhere thereabouts. And, and so we're talking about early 90s, which I suppose was a time when, you know, certainly Ireland wasn't the country it is now. I, I, I don't think you would have had the same level of people uh, with the kind of discretionary spending. You wouldn't have the same culture, perhaps, of people eating out. And you you, you opened a restaurant there. You, you went to in Chapter yeah. One in Parnell Square in Dublin. And between your own experience and, and what you saw around you, I mean, would you suggest that even then it was probably easier for, for the average person to keep a business going than now when ostensibly, and on the face of it, it's a far wealthier country, far bigger market, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I mean, you know, th- there's obviously a huge,
0: a huge amount more competition in the marketplace, number one. Number two, the price. You know, th- the restaurant industry is, is based on, its lifeblood is a, a flexible transient workforce. And, you know, when that labour becomes more and more expensive as a country gets wealthier, then it becomes a huge burden of cost for the service sector people and retailers. And all the meanwhile, um, whilst back in the 90s, labour was much cheaper, you know, unemployment rates were higher. It was easier to find people. Irish people were actually going into the catering industry which it doesn't seem that they are now, because we're kind of over academizing all our uh children and they all have to go to third level and all have to have degrees and become professionals and so on and so forth. And, you know, the, the the apprenticeships and uh the crafts are being totally forgotten about. So it's moved on, uh and it's kind of like the perfect storm really. And um, you know, as a consequence, you know, you you have you know, legislation that is incoming and consistent. You have, you know, items such as, you know, extra bank holidays. You have, um, there's a a pension, mandatory pension payment from the middle of this year. Um, There's five days mandatory sick pay going to 10 days by 2025. And all in all, it's, you know, minimum wage goes up by 140. And so, you know, for the business model that is the restaurant industry, all these things are hugely uh, affecting it, and uh, it's it's becoming you know quite it's 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 a hard it's a hard slog, and people work really hard. They're very unsociable hours, and you know it's quite a stressful industry, and um, it's being made, I suppose, somewhat unbearable for 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 a lot of operators. Yeah.
1: And as you said, labour is a major issue in costs and, and there have been increasing costs of labour. And, you know, on one level, a lot of people will say this is in response to requirements that are out there in terms of increasing the minimum wage, in terms of pension rights and that. But in that scenario, is there something that could be done to, while going along, well, you have to go along with it because it's legislation, but while, you know, accepting that that kind of wage structure has to be in place for good reason. Is there other elements to the business that the government could intervene in to ease the pressure that's being applied on small businesses? And we're talking to the greatest extent about small business here as a result of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny thing, you know, making legislation has to be broadly you know,
0: has to apply to everybody. It's a one fits all rule. But if you are thinking about it logically and economically... You know, you'd nearly want separate legislation for smaller businesses or businesses that employ under a certain amount of people because they just can't compete with the businesses with scale. And like, you know, as a small business operator, I don't have a HR department. I don't have a finance department. I don't have, you know, you're just a one stop shop. And, you know, compliance with HR and compliance with other legislation, insurance costs going up. They would say, to give you an example, so an insurance cost goes up and then they say to you, well, you have to have your ducting and your canopies cleaned once a year. But, you know, now if you're doing over a certain amount of volume, it has to be twice a year. And if you're doing over this volume, you have to have it cleaned three times a year. These guys come in the middle of the night and clean all your ducks and canapes and give you a bill for eighteen hundred euros every time they come. So, you know, that's a small idea of the cost. Somebody comes in to fix a coffee machine. It used to be like, oh, it's 160. I notice now it's two eighty. And you say, well, what's this? And they say, well, you know, it's, labor's costing us more. Everyone's uh, so we we're kind of uh, we, we're we're catching everything downstream, if if you understand what I'm saying. And you know, they have to do something because you know, otherwise, we're all going to be employed by large corporations, and you know, the big food businesses will eat the smaller ones, like like they do in every industry, and that's 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 shameful because. The majority of employment is provided by people who employ under 10 or 12 people in this country. But, you know, to be honest with you, it's it's the large corporations are getting all the breaks and uh, legislation favours them. And, you know, it's tough to be a sole trader. Uh, You know, people put their heart and soul and blood, sweat and tears on a daily basis. And employing people is... A reasonably high pressured um, art form, and uh, you know, it it the, these kind of legislations don't make it any easier. Uh, and Michael, don't don't get me wrong. You know, uh, you know, is the minimum wage a good thing in terms of everyone getting uh, more? Yes, it is. But you know, look what it'll do. It'll cause a shift in the industry in the sense that you know some people just won't make it, uh, and there will be uh, an attrition rate and it's really about this is can i put up the prices in my business because the consumer at the end of the day really has to pay for the increase in in in, in minimum wage and in in any in, in legislative costs and so on and so forth because at the end of the day if the operator uh, absorbs them all and doesn't make uh, a profit then they're not going to exist so you know, we're heading towards a time where there'll probably be less restaurants and they'll become more expensive. And that's a fact of life. And if everyone wants to earn more, that's the way it has to be. And that's the way it has to be. But it will come at some cost.
1: Is there measures though, Ross, for instance, I don't know, in VAT or another elements of the tax system for small businesses that could be done that would take into account the increased cost in labour?
0: Well, you know what, Michael. Exactly, and you know the VAT rate was nine percent, and it, it was insisted upon that was that went back to thirteen and a half. Now, you know they blame the hotels because there's a sliding scale of charge, and you know when there's a match on or a concert on, the prices go up by forty percent, and you know restaurants don't operate, no restaurants operate on that sliding scale of charge. It's just, they never have. And yeah, wouldn't it be great if we could, but we don't. And so, you know, uh, we were told that, you know, it had to go back up because hotels were taking advantage of it or were, you know, operating this system of charging.
1: So we kind of... But is, the, is that an area, Ross, for, for instance, like even the example you give there? I mean... Is there potential, or to your knowledge, was it ever explored that uh, absolutely I can take the case that's being made in terms of hotels, but could, could there be a scenario whereby restaurants, small businesses below a certain size could be a different classification than hotels when you come to the likes of VAT and that sort of thing?
0: Well, I mean, there are different VAT rates for different foods and different products, so I don't see why they can't have a VAT rate. On food and restaurants, that's 9%. But, you know, hoteliers pay 13.5% VAT mm. on rooms. You know, I, I've been told that they it was too difficult to operate or to separate, but it doesn't seem logical to me, to be honest with you. Um, it, you know, I, I think it's some, something should and could have been done, but, you know, it wasn't. And uh, the VAT went back up at a time which has really penal, to be honest with you, for small restaurants.
1: Yeah, you have to wonder, like, I mean, that's always, whenever anything innovative is suggested, there's always, it seems, on one level, it's always, what's the first thing we can do to block it in terms of it's going to be too much hassle for somebody yet? And you make the point, particularly about small business. Just a quick thing here, Ross. um, Sarah Hart, who writes a weekly column in the Irish Examiner, great column, actually. She was writing uh, this week... Uh, about small business and restaurants, and exactly what we 're talking about, just a quick passage here, just give an example to cut my eye, and she referenced how they how things are done elsewhere and she said and she um, wrote about paris and she just said the reason Paris has so many tiny cafes, restaurants, and independent little shops is that over fifty years ago the Council of Paris introduced a suite of measures to help small businesses survive because the French have a policy to protect not only small businesses, but to protect the centre of cities and towns. In some instances, they cap rents and control what businesses can move into a premises. In other words, they have an overall vision of what will work for a street or area by taking into consideration what works for the needs of the population and the broader local identity. Now, it would strike me That And we're often hearing, not necessarily as much in cities, but perhaps in parts of cities, but particularly in in provincial towns and that, about how the whole streetscape has been ruined and you've empty shops and what have you. And it strikes me that a thing like that um, is a a no-brainer, I would have thought, and and, and presumably would go towards making the, the whole business, the cost of doing business for small business like restaurants, some way easier. You know
0: that's uh, it's wonderfully enlightened, and you know, you know the thing about the French is they, they 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 do protect the small person and the individual, and they do protect diversity. We seem to kind of love to be protecting, you know, businesses with scale and the big tech businesses, and I'm not sure maybe that uh, you know we've lost our way a little bit in that sense, and that you know the small person has been a bit forgotten about, and I think. It's really high time that we rethought that whole area. Um, That initiative by the French sounds wonderful and it is about protecting the diversity, uh, local um, individuals, community, because they are the community. And we really need to rethink uh, our efforts when it comes to that. Absolutely, for sure. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at IrishExaminer.com forward slash subscribe.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. Now, another thing that has been talked about, and it's this term warehousing of debt, and as I understand it, a lot of this may have to do with tax debt that was warehoused, to use that phrase, during the uh, pandemic, and that is now coming June. That has contributed to um, people getting into some trouble. Michael McGrath, uh, Minister of Finance, was out this week saying that, you know, there might be a a softer view taken of that. But is that something you've heard among your peers in the business?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who did warehouse um, their revenue were obviously waiting for the day of reckoning. I I, I know there's been, they have been, they've been corresponding with people who had, and uh, I think there were some interest charges last year. But I'm, I'm, you know, COVID was a, there was very few other businesses that were just absolutely closed, closed for business. There was nothing. There was no lifelines. You know, there was no consumer. There was a little bit of takeaway, but look, you know, the odd individual did well enough on that, depending on what kind of product they were selling. It didn't suit all types of restaurants. Um, And, you know, people who didn't have the money warehoused it and, uh, the industry in general uh yeah i think is very fearful of the day when that has to be start to be paid back because every other cost has gone through the roof and as i said to you it's, it's like the perfect storm it's like the perfect negative storm and um, costs are very very difficult to deal with and uh I think on top of that, once uh, the, the warehouse debts are recalled, I think um, a lot of people are going to yeah, be in trouble.
1: Um, you're king for today. Well, we won't say king, we'll say minister for finance. Um, give me three measures that, in your opinion, restaurants in general and small businesses that could go towards helping them you know, we're not talking about just handing over grants or anything, but things that could be be worked into the structure that would make it some way easier to to bear those kind of costs at the moment. Are are just to, to to survive in the in the business.
0: Yeah, I think the VAT would would be very welcome for VAT to come back down. Um, you know, to give you an example of kind of you know the where where small businesses are is that you know employment costs are huge um the third level um our third level education uh kind of uh, catering establishments are you know the, there's there's not enough people going into them uh we need to encourage people into them um, The costs of living in Dublin are massive. And so for anyone in the service industry is finding it very hard. And, you know, that's very difficult. Um, They definitely need to think about, you know, all this legislation that is just, you know, having... I did a, a a show with somebody last week and they were asking me what are the big changes and what are the pressure points um, as a restaurateur who's been, you know, three decades in business. And I was just saying that, again, coming back to it, this overriding pressure of legislation just favouring people with scale, that is just, that that's something that absolutely has to be looked at now i couldn 't give you the solution to it because um that would have to come for from far greater minds than I, but all, all I know is that uh it, it's very difficult to operate uh facing all all that um, responsibility and cost you know
1: and uh, tell me this, we, we know the pandemic obviously you had a disproportionately a massive impact on restaurants and pubs and and, and establishments like that, but prior to the pandemic in terms of these kind of cost structures and that, how was it then? Was this on the way or is it accumulation of things that have made it this bad at this point?
0: Yeah, it's been it, 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 it's always been hard to employ people in the catering industry particularly in Ireland because, you know, it's a small pool and most of them leave the country um, it was only when sort of a, a, a an, an immigrant workforce arrived and, you know, the restaurants in Ireland wouldn't be there today without that workforce coming from other countries. And, you know, that's been that's been a lifeline in a sense. I mean, the the other thing that we really need is, you know, them to um, fast track visas for non-EU nationals because, you know, there's a huge bottleneck there. And the amount of personnel that are needed, we don't have. And of course, then that plays into the supply and demand thing. And just, you know, as supply goes down, the price, demand goes up and the price goes up. And that's 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 an area where we really, really need help. And uh, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's a hugely important area. But it's been getting increasingly tough um and labor yeah la- cost of labor has just been rising but you know for all the reasons that everyone on the street and the normal man and woman on the high street is uh, finding it more expensive to survive it's the cost of living and the inflationary effect of recent times and therefore, uh, people need to earn more to live in places like Dublin and, and indeed, in Ireland. And uh, that's made it more and more difficult. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not, it's not a today. It's not just being created by today, but it's like this the straw that's breaking the camel's back for
1: sure. And as you said, um, it, it's it's hard work. Uh, most people who are in it have a passion for doing it, whether it's merely working for themselves or or just a passion for working with food and the whole thing. And um, do you still retain that, Ross, despite all the the hassles, so to speak? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah that's a good question. I'll tell you something about the restaurant indi- industry. It's really energy in energy out is really what it is. You know, it's it's an and and that that's the equation. Um there are lots of different forms and lots of different types and different directions. And um I I love it. I love the excitement. I love the constantly changing backdrop. But there is a time where the energy levels aren't what they were and you do question your sanity now and again that's for sure but you know what Michael the 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 restaurant industry is an exciting industry um I think in the last decade people in Dublin have had a great choice of where to eat I think they've got great value for money uh, compared to other main uh, cities internationally. I think there's been great choice and variety. And I think in some ways we've been a little bit spoiled. Um, but the cost of food and the cost of producing food is going up. So, you know, will we enjoy that over the next decade? It's yet to be seen. The one thing I will say about it, it's a dynamic industry and it will always survive. It survives through upturns and downturns and it just flows from one form to the other. It is a business that can dial up uh, and dial down very quickly because it's just, as I said, it's built on a transient, flexible workforce of mostly young people. And that's why it's energy in, energy out. It is changing and uh, the market is segmenting differently. There is now kind of fast food. Above Above that is a middle layer, which is... The bottom of the middle layer, say the, the 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 lower middle market is like fast food formula where I'm doing ramen noodles. You're doing you know, quick serve sushi. I'm doing smash burgers. I'm doing this, that and the other. And then on top of that, you have the top half of the middle market, which is anyone charging from 50 to 150 euros for dinner. And then on top of that, you're going to have the fine dining, which is very bespoke. There will be only one or two in every city. It'll be increasingly expensive and it will appeal to a smaller audience. But that cohort would, have, would be very wealthy people and they will either save up to go there or they'll be very wealthy and go there. And so that's kind of sitting on top of the pie. And on at that level, you have to be as good as that level in London, New York, wherever it is. It doesn't matter where you are. It's not about comparing yourself to other restaurants in that country it's comparing yourself to the top level and and they would have to be kind of two or three michelin stars but where you're going to find the where you're going to find the kind of um where it's going to get tough is that top end of the middle market that that's competitive and it's 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 um it's 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 highly it's expensive to run um, the, the bottom end of it is the kind of fast food formula thing where you're doing sort of noodles and it's, you know, you're focusing on w- one or two dishes. Um, you might have, uh, you know, a, a good chef to write your menus and do do your dishes, but it's generally two or three people in the kitchen with a pair of hands. It's, it's formulaic stuff. And, you know, uh, front of house staff can be usually kind of part time. And so on, and so forth. So they're flexible in how they operate, and 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 that sector has been has appeared because of changing consumer tastes amongst young people who now have quite a lot of disposable income to eat out, and you know those places are getting twenty five to thirty five euros a head type of thing, um, and 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 they're corresponding to really as well the, the lack of labour out there, and so it's formulaic and it's quick uh and it's it's less expensive and i think those places will you know pretty much be okay uh but i think the top end of the middle market is where you're gonna see, you know, a lot of the attrition. Also, coffee shops. There's a lot of coffee shops, and you know, one when one wonders whether there we have enough at this stage, or or there are too many. And uh, you know, as a consequence, if a mar- if the marketplace is flooded, then you know, with consumer spending constricting in that market, then obviously there there would be attrition as well.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's a not a pretty picture uh, that's out there, but. I suppose it's one we can only hope people are going to make it through. It, it's just one sector of the economy that's faced with these things. But as you say, I think it's a very important one, both in terms of, of uh, what the whole food business adds to the high street, as we call it, and um, the, the, the the nature of restaurants and what they've added to society over the last 30 years. But anyway, Ross, it, it's great to see that you uh, still appear to have the passion for it, So hopefully you'll be able to uh, weather this storm anyway, and uh, hopefully we might have you back sometime in the future, maybe to talk about uh, an upswing in the business. (laughs) Ross Lewis, thank you very much for joining
0: us today. (laughs) Thanks, Michael. Yeah, great to talk to you. And, uh, you know, it's never as bad as they say it's going to be. And uh, I I have a lot of confidence in the industry Um, there are. Possibly be a correction that depends on consumer spending. It's kind of very tricky because, you know, out there, economy is solid enough. And that's one good thing. But it's just the type of industry that we're in is highly, uh, highly cost driven. And that's really kind of where the problem is. You know, we're taking a lot of the slice of the recent inflationary backdrop and uh, it's just the business model really but there will be better days and let's hope it's not as bad as they say it's going to be. <laughs> Good
1: stuff Okay Ross, thank you very much um, No problem. As always I'd like to thank our engineer JJ Vernon. Thank you folks for listening We'll talk to you again next week Stay by the wall till then